So good. Good to see you guys. You guys doing okay? You guys awake? You guys alive? Come on. So good. Who's, uh, who's leaving for the summer? Put your hand up. Leaving for the summer. Wow. All right, who's staying for the summer? Put your hand up. Hey, there we go. Summer squad. I love it. Well, we're going to miss you guys. Uh, at the end of today, we're going to pray over uh, some of those uh, some of y'all who are permanently leaving Lynchburg. And so if that's you, um, we'd love to send you out and commission you after service. Uh, but let's jump in. Uh, I just feel like this this morning, I, you know, whenever we get near the end of the, the semester, there's always a, a transition. You know, as we transition to summer, the Lord takes us on a very unique journey Last summer, we really uh, dove into spiritual formation and being discipled by Jesus, and we really grew in that. And I feel like the Lord, and just in every season, is very intentional with leading our church where our church needs to go. But as we enter into that transition, I feel like there's always like a word the Lord's like, I want to just like deposit this in my body, especially for those who are leaving. And so if you raised your hand and you're leaving for the summer, I want you to really soak in today. I feel like there's something the Lord wants to deposit uh, in you specifically, everyone here, but you specifically. So before we start, uh, who here just needs help? Like, there's not to be anything deep. You're like, I just need the Lord to like do something in my heart, in my life. All right. <laughs> Who needs help? Um, there we go. I just felt the Lord just, just as we start, we just need to say, Holy Spirit, help me. Like he is our helper, and he wants to help us. He is our helper, and he wants to help us. And so, Holy Spirit, would you help us this morning as we listen to what you want to say to our church. Lord, you know our needs. You know our pain points. You know our discouragements. And we just say, Holy Spirit, would you help us? Would you come in close? Would you rest upon everyone listening to your word? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I want to take you guys somewhere I want to take you guys back to the garden. And I want you just to imagine the Garden of Eden for a second. It's beautiful, it's luscious, there's trees and animals. God is walking in the cool of the day. Man and woman are in full, perfect communion with the Father. And an enemy comes in to that story. And I want you to, to, to see this, because this is really interesting. If you were an enemy in the Garden of Eden trying to tempt Adam and Eve, how would you do it? Because Adam and Eve were flawless and lived in paradise with all of their needs abundantly supplied. So how would you tempt perfect people living in a perfect place? It's interesting. You couldn't tempt them with nice clothes, right? Because they didn't need any, you know what I'm saying? You can tempt them with money. There's nowhere, nothing to spend it on. You couldn't tempt them with adultery because there's no one to commit adultery with. So how would you tempt perfect people 
living in a perfect place. It's by telling them this one lie that you don't have everything you need. You don't have everything you need. And in the moment when Adam and Eve believed this lie, what happened was that Adam and Eve, in their creation, they were given authority to represent God and rule over the earth. But the moment they believed this lie was the moment they handed over their keys of authority over to the enemy. What happened is they would no longer rule, he would. And it seems so simple, yet such a catastrophic moment that changed the entire course of humanity. And you don't have to be a theologian to do that or to know that, because the same lie that ushered in the fall is the same lie today that keeps making us fall. You don't have all that you need. In Christ, let me preface. In Christ, you don't have all that you need. That's the lie. And so today my desire is to show you how to get the keys back. So today we're going to talk about walking in authority. And I felt this just prophetically just as I was praying for this, this message and the Lord brought this message to my heart to, to give us just as a lot of people are transitioning to hold on to this is I just sense that there's a lot of people who have been faithful. There's a lot of faithful Christians. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, but I, I feel the Lord is high. There's, there's really faithful Christians that are still struggling with the same thing, whether big or small. And I think that the key to that struggle is you not understanding the authority you have. And so if that's you, I just want you to hear this this message today. And so let's jump into 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says this, it says, By his divine power, God has given us what? Say that again. One more time. He has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Wow. That's wild. What would happen if we believed that truth? He continues, he says, we have received all of this by coming to know him. Isn't that beautiful? We have received everything we need for living a godly life by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. I just want to say, if you're in this room today, the Lord is calling you to himself. If the word is being heard in your ears, the Lord is calling you to himself. And so Jesus has given us everything we need for life and godliness. What this means is that we have all of heaven's resource to walk in righteousness, peace, and joy through knowing him. And so if you struggle with 
walking in righteousness, if you struggle with peace, if you struggle with joy, I want you to hear this. Through knowing him, you have access to heaven's resource. It says that the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy through the Holy Spirit. So if you are a believer in the room, shout out then you have access to heaven's vault. That many of us think that we have little to no power and that the enemy has plenty. But both of those realities are, are false truths. You actually have a lot of power. And the enemy actually has little. Colossians 2.15 says this, in this way he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly. He didn't just bury it, he shamed them publicly. He didn't just casually did it, he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. On the cross, Jesus threw a big old Uno reverse card. You know what I'm saying? The man he's like, when I hang you on the cross and crucify you, you thought you're going to win. And Jesus said, this is all part of the plan. This was the very thing that needed to happen to disarm the enemy and every spiritual power. Revelation 1.18, it says this, I am the living one. This is Jesus speaking. I am the living one. I was dead. Now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death in Hades. He took the keys back that we gave to the enemy. So on the cross, Jesus disarmed the enemy and spiritual powers in opposition to us. And in his resurrection, he took back the keys that we handed over to Adam. And here's the thing, guys, is that Satan constantly tries to make you conscious of your lack. That in Christ, you don't have enough, right? That's the lie that he wants you to believe. But if we want to live a life of godliness, you have to be more conscious of his victory. That Satan was actually defeated 2,000 years ago on the cross, but in our ignorance and unbelief, we re-empower a disarmed enemy. Here's the bullets every time we believe a lie. That the enemy's words only have power over us if we receive it as truth. Can I give you something if you totally don't get anything else from this sermon? Just get this one thing. Not every thought is your thought. Not every thought is your thought. Just because it comes through your head doesn't mean it's yours. This is why the word says you have to take every thought captive, not some. <laughs> every thought captive. Just because you have a perverse thought doesn't mean it's your thought. But if you receive it and believe as it is, 
that enemy has his foot in the door. But when the thought comes, you can capture it, submit it to Jesus, say, this is not my thought. This is not who I am. I hold the keys of authority over this thing. And so now that we live from Christ's victory, the power that the enemy has over us is only the power that we give him. And so before we dive in, I want to make this practical and digestible for us. Let's define spiritual authority. Uh, Charles Kraft defines it as the God-given right to receive and use God's power that flows from the indwelling Holy Spirit. And so when we talk about spiritual authority, I want you to see this, okay? It's not just for moments of heavy demonic or spiritual attack. It is a big chunk of it. But I think whenever we hear sermons on spiritual authority or walking in your authority, immediately we think of like deliverance, right? And someone manifesting a demon and like that's what you use it for, which is part of it. But we need spiritual authority in every moment of our life. You need to walk in authority when you walk in a grocery store, right? You need, you need to walk in authority when your toddler's having a tantrum. <laughs> there we go. So I want you to hear this, that, that what we're talking about, yes, you have authority, cast out demons to see the, see the sick healed, but I, I want you to, to get the, the heartbeat of this. That walking in authority helps us. There's that word that we talked about. Walking in authority helps us when shame tries to come in. It helps us when we want to respond in frustration. It helps us cling to peace in moments of fear and anxiety. Walking in authority is to return to the garden, fully trusting that in his presence you have all that you need. So we have access to God's power when we exercise the authority he's given us. And so today I want to talk about a specific person's life in scripture who walked in authority that we can learn what this looks like. And so let's look at the life of King David. If you guys want to go to 1 Samuel 16, we're going to journey through the life of David. And through it, we're going to pull what it actually means and looks like to walk in authority. So 1 Samuel 16, 1 to 3. To give you guys some context, obviously Israel, they wanted a king. They wanted to be like all the other nations when in reality God was supposed to be their king. But because they asked, God says, okay, I'll give you what you want. And so what happens is they choose a king, but they choose a king in their own standards. And so they choose this man named Saul. He's tall, he's handsome, he's strong. Let's make him our king. 
And as you guys know, that's not the king that God wanted for his people. And you know the story, Saul ends up becoming a tyrant, ruler, right? We see that whole journey, and, and this is now leading into David, the one which God wanted to be the king. So verse 16 says this, the Lord said to the prophet Samuel, you have mourned long enough for Saul. I've rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse, this is David's father, who lives there for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. But Samuel asked, how can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. Sounds like a great guy, right? Take a heifer with you, the Lord replied, and say that you have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I'll show you which of his sons to anoint for me, the one I died. So the first point here of understanding authority is that your authority is given. Authority is always given. It is passed down. Authority means power, jurisdiction, dominion, and rule. So think about this in the lens of a disarmed enemy. We give him the authority and power and jurisdiction he has over us. Because you don't have authority unless it's given. You don't have jurisdiction over something unless it's given. So the first thing we have to get is that authority is always given. Right? This is why we have to be so intentional with the thoughts we believe. And because you carry Jesus' authority, you have everything you need to combat those lies. Luke 9, 1-2 says this, One day Jesus called the twelve disciples and gave them power and what authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of god and to heal the sick i have a little caveat on this the same authority that jesus gave his disciples he gave to us we know this because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Think about that. Can we put that verse back up? I want you just to read this. Just, just soak this in for a second. One day, Jesus called them his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. And then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. The enemy wants you to believe that you're powerless. The enemy wants to believe, he wants the church to believe that it's a powerless church. It's the furthest thing from the truth. All right, we'll go back into that later, but the first thing, your authority is given. The second thing, let's go to 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. So Samuel goes 
to David's father's house. The Lord tells him one of his sons will be king. And 1 Samuel 16, verse 7 says this, But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way that you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at his heart. So the second thing is that your authority is not dependent on you. That's good news. Receiving authority is not dependent on you. It is dependent on him. It doesn't matter how much you think you've messed up, how unqualified you are, how much of a sinner you think you are. Your authority is not dependent on you. So what happens in the story is that Samuel goes through every son and God keeps telling him, this isn't the one, this isn't the one, this isn't the one, this isn't the one. He keeps going down the line. He doesn't find the one. So he asked Jesse, Samuel asked Jesse if he had any sons and he said that he had one last youngest son who was in the field tending to the sheep and his name was David. Let's go to 1 Samuel 16, 12 to 13. And it says this, So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes, and the Lord said, This is the one. Anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil. He had brought and anointed David with the oil, and the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned. And so we see here that David was the smallest, weakest, most unqualified one out of all the sons, but was chosen to be anointed as king. That your authority is not dependent on you. I want you to see this picture. If you're ever driving down traffic and you ever see a policeman directing traffic, you guys know what I'm talking about. If a semi-truck was coming down, right, I don't don't know how much that, that would weigh. Just imagine how much how big a semi-truck would weigh. When a police officer raises right, his stop sign, that truck has to stop. Now, that police officers, or, or, or whoever's directing traffic, in their own strength cannot stop that truck, right? If that truck comes, they're, they're done, right? It's gonna run them over. In their own strength, they cannot stop that truck, but because of who they represent, because of what they're wearing, because of the uniform, because of the authority that they carry, that, stop, that truck has to stop. And so your authority is not dependent on you. The third thing in 1 Samuel 17, verse 33 to 36 This is leading into the story of of David fighting Goliath. He says this, don't worry about the Philistines. David told Saul, I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight the Philistines and possibly win. You're only a boy and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep's Sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club, rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw 
and club it to death. <laughs> Come on, he's just, there he knows. It says, I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. If that is not hype, I don't know what is. David is showing his track record. So the third point is this, is that your authority has to be cultivated. So your authority is given. It's not dependent on you. You being given that authority is not dependent on you. But you have to cultivate your authority. That authority is something you grow into. Your spiritual authority is something you grow into. That every big victory is built on a small one. David was saying, I had a lot of small victories. <laughs> I know how to fight. It may not look like the way that everyone else thinks you're supposed to fight, but I have done small victories, so I have confidence facing this one. It was because of what David cultivated in the grasslands that allowed him to fight in the battlefield. Because he fought daily in the secret, he was able to experience victory in life's bigger battles. And so your authority has to be exercised, has to be cultivated. You know, if you never pray for someone to be healed, you'll never see anyone healed. And that sounds really profound. If you never pray for someone to be healed, then you'll never see anyone healed. But if you pray for a hundred people to be healed, you'll probably see a couple. What's the point? You have to exercise your authority. Right, here's a, a basic spiritual principle. He who is faithful with little will be trusted with much. If you've overcome drug addiction, you have authority to see the jurisdiction of that thing overruled in others' lives. It's about cultivating the authority that you have been given. Bill Johnson, he says this, he says, we have authority over any storm we can sleep in. You have to have peace to give it away. Abiding in peace makes us a threat to any storm. The fourth thing, fourth and last thing, let's go to 1 Samuel 17, 38 to 39. It says this, then Saul gave David his own armor. So David's about to go and fight Goliath and Saul, the present king, David, the real king, Saul goes to him and he gives him his own armor. A bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like. For he had never worn such things before. He says, I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off. It's the fourth thing in understanding your authority, is that your authority is rooted in identity. 
Robert Reimer said, spiritual authority is rooted in identity, expanded in intimacy, and activated by faith. Spiritual authority is rooted in identity, expanded in intimacy, and activated by faith. So trying to fight our battles without being rooted in our identity is like David trying to fight Goliath while wearing Saul's armor. It simply doesn't fit. That your level of authority, the level of authority you will walk in, will always be connected to the level of identity you're rooted in. Remember, in the garden, the enemy's first attack was on man's identity. Was on God's identity. God isn't who he says he is. You don't actually have everything you need. You're actually living in lack. You're actually missing out on something. Right? When you see the temptation of Jesus being tempted by the devil, what was he trying to attack? His identity. If you are the son of God, do this. It's in the place of knowing our identity that we discover who we are and whose we are. That we no longer operate as victims anymore. Going back to 2 Peter 1 to 3, where we started, it says, By his divine power, God has given us what? Everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this. By striving? No. We have received all of this by coming to know him. The one who called us to himself. Matthew 28, verse 18, we're about to end. It says this, Jesus came and told his disciples... I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. He has all authority in heaven and on earth, and he trusts us enough with his same authority. Let me ask you a question. If Jesus has all authority, how much authority does the devil have? So my desire today, guys, is that we would be an empowered church, not a powerless church, that we would see people who know how to resist the lies of the devil, a church that sees people healed, people delivered, and people set free. So for a lot of you here, that as you transition into a new environment, that you would know everywhere you go, you walk in authority. Everywhere you go. If you're going this summer back home and it's just a spiritually dead environment, you walk in authority. If you're going this summer, maybe you're disconnected from a local church, you know, maybe breakthrough is, is your haven, your place where you get filled and you go back home and, and you're missing that, you walk in heaven's authority. Worship team, you guys can come up. I want to end with this quote by J.I. Packer. He says this. 
He says, spiritual authority is hard to pin down in words, but we recognize it when we meet it. It is a product compounded of conscientious faithfulness to the word of God, vivid perception of God's reality and greatness, inflexible desire to honor and please him, deep searching, self-searching and radical self-denial, adoring intimacy with Christ, generous compassion manward, and forthright simplicity, adult in its knowingness while childlike in its directness. The man of God has authority as he bows to divine authority and the patterns of God's power in him is the baptismal pattern of being supernaturally raised from under burdens that feel like death. Just soak in that for like a week. Still not understand it. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to pray, just as we close out, I want to pray over you guys that the Lord would just activate faith in your heart to understand the authority that you actually carry.